Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hi, if you don't know me, my name is Laura and I'm going to be sharing with you for a few moments today. But also with me, uh, we have Mark who is doing some art behind me. Uh, And we are going to both be doing our different pieces of communication today. And they are going to come together beautifully at the end. Hopefully you can see, uh, stay tuned and see if that actually takes place. But that is definitely the plan. Today I'm pushing into the second in our series of The Lost Arts and the idea behind this series is that this is where areas where culture has progressed, areas where we really have kicked on but in our progress are there things that we have also lost and today we're specifically looking at the lost art of waiting, finding purpose in pain. In our culture, we we are not good at waiting. Waiting often is seen as waste. Uh, It's not welcomed. And whether it be our mode of transport, we aim to get as as quickly as possible to the places that we want to go. Uh, Whether it's our shopping. uh, In fact, we don't even have to wait to go to the shops anymore. Uh, We can order the stuff to come to us and you can order it to arrive with you within hours. It could be our entertainment and we, we don't have to wait for that anymore. We can watch things on demand and when those things don't work out, we feel outraged. Like it's our right. I'm on my Marvel marathon at the moment and I still can't watch Spider-Man and I'm having to wait and source that from somewhere and it's driving me mad. It feels like our wait, um, it feels like our right to get things quickly. And it may be that you think, oh, I'm really good at waiting. It may be that you're looking at the person you might be watching this with and going, you're not good at waiting, are you? We don't respond well when we have to wait. And I wonder how you respond. I wonder how you respond when things don't happen as quickly as you want them to, when maybe things are taken out of our control. You see, I believe that what happens is when something happens quickly, there's actually a trade-off that takes place that often quickly comes at a cost. But I think so does waiting. The cost is just different. And so it's this cost that I want to spend some time thinking through today. Uh, As uh, part of this series, one of the things that we're doing is we're looking at characters from the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And today we're going to spend some time looking at the character of a lady called Hannah. Now, Hannah uh, was a woman who was married to a guy and Hannah was struggling to start a family. She wasn't able to get pregnant and she was waiting for year after year for this to happen. And that waiting was painful. It came at a cost and it created wounds. And so the first thing I want us to unpack a little together is that there can be wounds in our waiting. Now, if you're watching this, I don't know uh, where you're at with God. I don't know if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus. It might be that you have followed Jesus for years and years and years. But waiting isn't a Christian thing. Waiting is a human thing. Wherever you're at today, you may well be waiting for something. And that could look really different depending on who you are. It might be that you're waiting for a family. Like Hannah, you might be waiting to get pregnant or you might be waiting to find a partner or waiting to be proposed to. It might be that you're waiting for reconciliation, that you're waiting to be acknowledged. It might be that you're waiting for a promotion or waiting to hear God's voice on something or maybe waiting to find what you believe your purpose on this planet is. But whatever it is you're waiting for, waiting is not easy. And so often, waiting creates wounds. 
Uh, during this waiting process, these wounds can be created from uh, a number of places. Sometimes our wounds are created from our circumstance. Sometimes our wounds can be created based on our own expectation. Our wounds can be created by these big questions that, we, that we're wrestling with. Sometimes our wounds are created by other people. But for Hannah, in her story, her wounds were kind of from all of these angles. You see, in those days, in the time of the Bible when Hannah was alive, the, the idea that she couldn't have children, that she wasn't able to get pregnant, actually there was a really big wound that came alongside that. In her culture, that would have brought shame on her as a woman and as a wife. Also, wrongly, people at that time may have thought that she couldn't get pregnant because there was some sort of judgment from God in that. Equally, because of her status in society as a woman, it would have made her invisible to people around her. And so for Hannah, these wounds went deep. And I wonder whether for some of us today, whatever it is that we're waiting for, maybe even waiting for a vaccine, that the wounds of the season have gone deep. In 1 Samuel 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this. There was a certain man from Ramathiam, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroam, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other was called Penaniah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. You know, one of the interesting things about uh, the season that Hannah found herself in was her husband's name. Her husband, Elkanah, his name meant um, God has created. And often in that culture, again, things were a little different. Your name said something about you. Your name said something about what God had created you for and what God was going to do through you. And so for Elkanah, this was saying God has created him, but God was also going to create through him. And obviously, as his wife, you would expect to play some level of a role in that. And so Hannah would be I imagine there thinking and knowing her husband's name, knowing the promise that was over her husband's life and thinking, God, you've, you've spoken into this. God, you have said that this will be. And God, I know that you can do this. So why haven't you done it? And for Hannah, these things will have pressed into some of these wounds. But the wounds weren't only created by her circumstance and weren't only created by her big questions. Her wounds were also created by people. In 1 Samuel 1, verses 3 to 8, it reads this. Year after year, this man, this is Elkanah, went from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Now this, this is not a talk on marriage today. However, I would suggest that this probably wasn't the best response. I think in fact, it's probably significant that Hannah's response wasn't recorded in scripture. It may not have been repeatable. 
But in this situation, these two people are one deliberately and one completely accidentally pushing on these wounds that Hannah has. And some people will push on our wounds. And they may not mean to. It may well be that you're in a situation and someone at work keeps getting promoted ahead of you or it feels like everybody is getting promoted ahead of you, that there are other people that keep getting acknowledged for your work and for what you do. It may be that you see things happening in other people's lives that you have been praying for for years. And these are wounds in us that get pushed on and things that get triggered. There are a few things that we can do. First of all, we need to be aware of our own wounds. We need to know what some of our triggers are in these situations. But also, we need to learn to manage these wounds and manage these triggers. It may be that certain situations we know are going to be difficult and so we need to brace ourselves for those. It may even be that we avoid other things because we know that those wounds go so deep and are so painful. But here's the thing. Your wounds are your responsibility to treat. They're your responsibility to look after. Because untreated wounds become infected. They become infected with anger and envy and comparison, with unforgiveness and even sometimes self-pity. Why is it that this thing is always happening to me? How we treat our wounds is our responsibility. Now, a few years ago, uh, I used to work here in this church building and um, it was just after Christmas and I was uh, helping pack down the Christmas decorations and ironically I was being impatient uh, and I couldn't wait for the rest of the team to come and help me. So what I did was I got a stool, I stood on this stool, went to reach for a decoration and I fell off and I broke my arm. Now, uh, if you're squeamish, you may want to look away from the screen right now because uh, this is a little picture that's going to come up. But this is what happened to my arm. This was the shape of my arm when I fell off the stool and you can see it was broken. And I saw this and I honestly, I just vomited straight into a bin. It was really bad. Um, but I went to hospital and uh, there was a member of staff actually in A&E that day who, who was here at the church. And I am still grateful to you because I remember that she talked the doctors into putting a plate into my wrist rather than just getting them to pull it straight, which even now, just that goes through me. Uh, so thank you for, for your kindness to me on that day. Um, but uh, I, got a, I got operated on, I got a plate put in my wrist. And for the following weeks and months, although the break had been fixed, I still carried a wound. And I had to look after that wound. I had to dress it properly. I had to even position myself differently because I knew that that wound was sensitive. And if I wanted it to heal, then I needed to look after it. And over time, that wound got better. But even now, years and years later, there will be times that although my wound has healed, there will still be triggers. I know that I can't move my wrist as well as I used to be able to. I know that it's not as strong as it was. And I know that sometimes when I do certain things, something catches in there and my wrist will swell up again and, and I'll need to rest it for a few days. But even though time has passed, I need to look after my wound and be aware of my triggers. But here's the thing. If you let it, over time, a wound will turn to a scar. And scars are memories and marks of stories and journeys that we have been on that lead to transformation. Scars transform who we are. And this is the second thing that I want to touch on today. That often, timing causes transformation. So, 
we're going to move on with our story. We're actually going to highlight some verses that we've already looked at. So this is 1 Samuel 1, verses 6 and 7. And it says, Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. You know, in verse seven there, that phrase, year after year, I just think it holds such weight and such experience. You see, Hannah hadn't been waiting for a few days, hadn't been waiting for a few weeks, but this was a long-term thing. She was waiting year on year. And sometimes our, our waiting can feel like that. It can feel like this endless season. And yet for Hannah in this time, what she does is she keeps going back to the temple of God. She keeps going back to God to connect with him. You know, the reason she was able to do that was because she knew that just because she couldn't see God doing anything, it didn't mean that he wasn't. In fact, I believe that in that time, he was doing something of great significance and will be doing something in great significance for you. I believe that that time is a time that is a time of transformation, a time when God builds resilience, trust, strength, maybe even strength in relationships with people around you because you need to lean on them and borrow their strength. You know, as God builds in us and transforms in us as we wait, I believe that he is changing us and preparing us for the very thing that he has in store for us. As we look around, culture would tell you that waiting is waste. But here's what I believe, that your waiting isn't wasted. And so don't let delay halt your development. You know, uh, the narrative that we are told, the narrative that we hear from all around us, from, from society, from culture, is that this is about the quick fix. This is about getting what we wanted and getting what we wanted quickly. It's about cutting corners. Um, it's ingrained in us that waiting is bad and getting what we want right now is our right. However, uh, at the start of this talk a few moments ago, what I talked about was the idea that actually there's a trade-off, that there's a cost to things moving quickly. And I think that waiting transforms our character and we must not cut corners when it comes to building our character. In fact, I would go as far as to say that when we do quick and when we move quick and when we push for quick, actually the trade-off can be our own transformation. You know, I even wonder whether for God, the point isn't the promise. It's actually the process of getting there. The point is not the outcome of what you're waiting for, but getting to that place and what he wants to do and transform in you in that season. You know, for all of the things in life that really matter, we do have to wait. And so it's not a case of if you wait, it's a case of how you wait and how you will let God transform you during that season. You know, um, around a year ago, um, the season that I was in felt really difficult. There were a whole host of reasons as to why that was. Loads and loads of different things. Um, some of that is that I wasn't managing myself well. Uh, and I got to a point where I wasn't doing great. Um, what was going on around me and the things that I was dealing with began to take a bit of a toll on me. Um, I was feeling panicked uh, quite regularly. Um, I was getting to the point where in certain situations I was getting chest pains and really struggling. Um, and I don't know what it is that you're waiting for today. I don't know if you're waiting for something to start, but this time last year, I was waiting for that season to end. I was just praying. I was like, God, I want you to change me. I want you to strengthen me, but I want this season to end. This is tough. And you know, as we wait, 
We want often God to change something. But God spoke to me really, really clearly in that season. And he didn't say what I wanted. He didn't say, yeah, Laura, it's going to be fine. Give me a week, I'll sort it out. Actually, what he said to me is this season's going to get a bit worse before it gets better. And it did. But do you know, a year on from that, I look back and I see what God has done in me in that year, in that really tough season, in that season of transformation. And honestly, I know that this, the, the change and what God has done in me and grown in me couldn't have happened any other way. And it's priceless. I wouldn't trade it off. But I had to let God transform me through my process of waiting. And so I would say to you that your waiting is not wasted. In fact, it might even be the point. And so the final thing that I would love us to think through today is that the promise is about the promise behind the pause. In Hannah's story, uh, she goes to the temple. She goes to the temple to spend time with God and she encounters a priest called Eli. And Hannah at this point is in deep anguish. She is really struggling. And in 1 Samuel 1 verses um, 12 to 19, it says this. And I'm going to read it. It's a little bit long. You might want to rest your eyes. Don't fall asleep. Close your eyes. I'll read this to you. You can relax. Um, It says this. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought that she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, may your servant find favour in your eyes. And then she went away and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. Do you know, in the midst of Hannah's waiting, Hannah does two really significant things. First of all, it says uh, that she poured out her soul to the Lord. You see, she recognized something about the person of who God was. That God is not only the person that you wrestle with and that you ask questions of and, and that you have kind of this anguish with, but he is also the person who comforts you as you pour out your soul to him. You wrestle with him and you gain comfort from him all at the same time. The second thing that Hannah does is that right in the middle of her waiting, right in the middle of her pain, in the middle of her season, when she isn't 100% uh, which way this is going to go, it says that they went and worshipped the Lord once more. How? How did Hannah manage to do this? Well, I believe that she realised something. I believe that she realized that no matter the outcome, the goodness of God is based on who he is. And so we worship. Now, I, uh, I have no idea who you are watching this. I don't know where you're watching this geographically, when you're watching this in time, whether you're watching this live, pre-recorded. I don't know whether you believe in God, whether you've been a Christian for ages, whether you used to believe in God and this process of waiting has worn down your faith. But here's the thing. Wherever you're at today, the character of God does not change. God is good, God is faithful, and God is love. You see, the promise isn't actually in the outcome. 
The promise is in the promise keeper and in the character of who God is. I want to spend a couple of moments just as I finish telling you about who this God is. It may well be that uh, you have been a Christian for years and you know this stuff. I'm going to remind you. It may be that you have no faith whatsoever and this is the first time you're hearing this. But again, I want to remind us of who our promise keeper is today. You know, God is a God who, at the beginning of time, this all-powerful creator God created the universe that we live in and we exist in today. That at the beginning of time, this creator God whose nature is love created humanity. He created humanity for relationship with him because he loves them, because he wanted intimate relationship with them. And we as humanity took a step away from him. And we took a step towards brokenness, towards our own brokenness as humanity, but also towards brokenness in our relationship with God as well. And actually, God has been waiting for us ever since. Since the beginning of time, God has been waiting for humanity to take a step back towards him. You know, today we've spoken about transformation. And this is a God who knows about transformation. This is a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing and gave up all of his rights to be transformed into human form, into the, the body of a baby, a vulnerable child, and placed his life in the hands of humanity, who incidentally killed him because he wanted to rebridge the gap of the brokenness in his relationship with you. This is a God who transformed himself and came and walked on this earth. Not only so that we might know who, his, who he is better and see demonstrated who the nature of God is, but also to enact the greatest act of love and sacrifice that humanity has ever seen. And today we have talked about wounds. This is a God who still carries wounds for you. Wounds in his hands and on his side. I wonder whether some people watching this today might think that they have been forgotten in their waiting. But in the Bible, it says that your name is written in the center of God's hands. He has not forgotten you. He has been wounded for you. So that our brokenness as humanity and our broken relationship with him can be restored. Who is our promise keeper? <laughs> it's a God that wasn't just willing to wait, but he was willing to die for you. You know, God is good and God is faithful and God is love. And the core of that promise is who God is. It is not the outcome. Uh, Hannah's story ends with her having a son. She has a son called Samuel. And as soon as this son is born, what she does is she dedicates this son right back to God because she recognises that in the light of this kind of promise keeper, this kind of God, the only thing that she could do was to hand back to God what was his all along. You see, the outcome of what you are waiting for was always going to be God's anyway. And so our promise in who is in who this God is. And so God, he is good, he is faithful, and he is love. 
And I wonder whether today we think that we have been waiting for God, but actually maybe God has been waiting for us, waiting for us to give him our wounds so that he might heal them, waiting for us to be in uh, transformation, give our transformation to him so that he can stand with us as we are transformed and he can love us and he can see us transformed in our difficulties. And I wonder whether he has been waiting for us to lift our eyes from the outcome of our situation onto the promise keeper once again. And so we are gonna go into a time of reflection and response and prayer. And in a moment, we're, we're gonna play a, a worship song and give you some chance to connect with God for yourself. But I wonder whether you might want prayer this morning. You may want to spend some time and just have you and God and wrestle through some of that stuff, like Hannah coming to God with um, the, I guess, unloading of your soul, wrestling with Him at yet at the same time going to God for comfort. It might be that you want to be with somebody else to help you connect with God today. And if that's the case, then if you click on that next steps link, then someone would absolutely love to pray for you in your waiting, pray for you with your wounds and in your transformation and fixing your eyes on who God is again. But it might be that today you want to connect with God for the very first time. That all of a sudden you realize that all this time God has been waiting for you to respond to him since the creation of the world. And again, if that is you, then have a click on the next steps link and you can click in there and make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today. And again, someone would love to pray for you. And so why not take a moment now to connect with God in our waiting? I'm just going to pray now uh, as we finish today. God, we thank you so much that our promise is in who you are. That God, you are faithful, that you are good and that you are love. And that in our waiting, you do not waste a moment. God, we thank you that you are healer. We thank you that you build stuff in us ready for our calling and ready for the things that you want to give us. And God, we thank you that you are a God who is willing to wait for us. We love you. And God, let us outpour our souls to you this week as we wrestle and as we live.